This is On The Radar, and as always, you should talk about local and national sports and pop culture, but this is the 2023 MLB Preview Central Edition. Instead of having a 90-minute recording for both the American League and the National League, I'm going to record separate, hopefully quick podcast about each of the six divisions. This is the American League Central, so everything about the other five divisions you can check out on On The Radar podcast everywhere you get it, Google, Apple, or Spotify. Or the links on On The Radar Entertainment Blog on Facebook or on the radarmedia.com. You get links to everything there. Or on Twitter, Radar4428, you'll see links to my podcast. So let's start with the American League Central. Being baseball is my favorite sport and the White Sox are my favorite team, I am a little biased here. But the American League Central last year was garbage. Literally... The White Sox had the best team on paper. The Twins had the best lineup, and the Cleveland Guardians had the best rotation. And guess what happened? The Guardians won the division last year, winning not as many games as the likes of the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays. Well, the Ra- they won more than Rays, but they won 92 games. White Sox finished 500, disappointing season. The Astros and the Mariners had a better record. So literally, only Tampa Bay had a worse record than the... The Guardians, who obviously was a uh, was division winner, not a wildcard team. So this division on paper, again, is the same issue. Guardians have an amazing rotation and bullpen. White Sox have the best team on paper, and the Twins have the best lineup. Power hitters, all that other stuff. And the Tigers and Royals are both bad teams. That's really how it's going to go again. When the Tigers and Royals are really bad, they're at the bottom. And the Twins, the White Sox, and the Guardians are all competing for the division. The reason I have in my written baseball preview, you can check out on the website or on the blog page, on the radarmedia.com or on the radar entertainment blog, is that I predict Guardians to win the division because, again, I cannot trust the White Sox. Listen, Cleveland has one of the best managers in Terry Francona. They have a rotation of Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali, Zach Plezak, Tristan McKenzie, and they last year finally gave an opportunity to Cal Quantro, who they got previously a few years ago from San Diego, to start. On paper, that's the best in this division, one through five, on paper. Problem is, things are not always on paper, and last year Cleveland got pretty lucky that Bieber, Savali, and Plezak were really healthy, and Quantrill and McKenzie pitched really well. I'm not saying, oh, they're not going to stay healthy again, or they're not going to stay track record, but on paper, when you, that's your five-man rotation, and your bullpen is Emmanuel Classe, who saves 40 games a year, you got Karsenak and Hedtigins out of the bullpen, and they picked up Tuki Toussaint in a minor league deal who's not going to make the rotation, but he's a veteran starting pitcher at this point. It's not a bad bullpen. The issue with Cleveland will again be their lineup because Mike Zanino missed the whole entire season last year with, with Tampa Bay, and they have Austin Hedges and some other backups. The thing about Zanino is he's never been the catcher that the Mariners thought he was going to be because there will be some years where he's better offensively than he is defensively and vice versa. So they're going to go with two backup catchers this year, to lighten the load for him with Mior, Mibis Violia, who's a backup career catcher, and Cam Gallagher again. Both are backup catchers who played most recently again with the likes of Kansas City, which is interesting Like that they got themselves two roles backup catchers. So question mark at catcher because of Zanino's injury path. And yes, first base, they went out and got themselves Josh Bell. Josh Bell or Josh Nagel, two Joshes. One will DH and one will play first base. What that does is gives Jose Ramirez protection to lineup from two veteran players. Now, I don't know if Josh Naylor is going to have a full healthy season because he's been injured in the past or if he's going to put up the same offensive numbers like he did last year. But things will help out when you have Josh Bell in the lineup with you. 
I'm not saying all negative that he can't have a repeat season, Josh Naylor, but the, when the league gets video on you, it's always about a, a, a league of adjustments. So I feel like the middle of the lineup of Ramirez, Bell, and Naylor is is a good offensive lineup, and Jose Ramirez can again probably up there for MVP voting because they have the best chance of winning this division, and he's a two-way player. Now, I will say this. I've been saying this for a while. Ahmed Rosario improved his defense just enough last year with his offensive ability that they kept him at shortstop. While Andres Jimenez, because of the weak second base uh, issue they had last year due to injuries and bad performances, he made the all-star team, and he had an incredible offensive season. And he always, we already know he's a great defensive player, but he just played in the World Baseball Classic at shortstop for Venezuela. And I know last year when he hit 12 home runs and drove in – excuse me, not 12, when he hit 17 home runs and drove in 69, that was his best offensive season. And yeah, I'm going to tell you, the league probably is going to be like, you know what, we got some tape on him, and I've been still saying this. With If he hits 15 home runs and drives in 60 runs and you put him at shortstop, that's really good because you expect not a lot of offense production at the shortstop position, but you expect more at second base, which is Rosario, who is all or nothing. And being a, former, being a Mets fan and watching both these guys, I knew one could hit and one could feel. But... They're really relying on Jimenez and Rosario and Naylor to re- repeat the same seasons as their infielders. And left field, Stephen Kwan had a chance to win a batting title last year as a rookie. But again, the league could still figure him out and he could have a sophomore slump. Miles Straw is a great defensive center fielder, but the dude can't hit. And he lost his job as the leadoff hitter to Stephen Kwan. And Oscar Gonzalez went back and forth between DH and right field and had a good, off- good year as a rookie offensively. But again... Full season for Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and Josh Naylor. It's a lot to ask for them to repeat, have rookies get the next leap and not have sophomore slumps. Jimenez and Naylor and Rosario having career years to continue that. That's where I have a question of can those players have those years and be okay with potentially banking on Zanino to be healthy. That's the question is more about what is happening to them, uh, you know, going from the next year to the next year? They also picked up Zach Collins on a minor league deal, former Sox catcher, because, again, they weren't sure what they're doing to catcher, and Roman Quinn on a minor league deal for, for that. Now, the thing that may help Cleveland out this year is that potentially, uh, potentially if Zanino isn't fully healthy and those two backup catchers don't do anything when he doesn't play, and we all know that, you know, some of these guys may have repeat years. That just a boost in the lineup offensively would be calling up one of their best prospects, Josh Naylor's younger brother, Bo Naylor, who played pretty well for Canada this year in the World Baseball Classic, is he may come up and he just adds a boost just offensively to the lineup. Because last year, Cleveland had the record for most rookies and a division-winning team all contributing no matter where in the team. So that may be the boost they need to fix the question at catcher. The next team is the White Sox. Being a a huge White Sox fan and going to 20-something, almost 30-something home games and then going on the road to see them, it was challenging to watch them not have fundamental baseball in terms of they you know, did not bunt or steal bases or take walks or make bad defensive plays in the outfield bad bullpen decisions and starters not doing what they're supposed to. It's just they weren't 
doing the fundamentals, and that was the problem. So it didn't matter if it was when Ricky Renteria was managing them or when La Russa, the Hall of Famer, was managing them or even when Miguel Cairo for a short span was the interim manager and they were playing well. And it's not going to matter to Pedro Griffio because I thought to myself, if the Royals did not hire their own coach and they went out of their own baseball team in their system to hire Quattro, I think, to be the manager, what does that say about him if his own team doesn't want to actually hire him to be the manager? Now, they went and got Charlie Montanello to be the bench coach. If you know about me, I was a huge fan of him. He managed and coached in the minor leagues and coached in the major leagues for the Rays before becoming the Blue Jays manager and was unjustly fired. He's got the experience. That's where I'm like, you know what? That's the type of guy I wish he was the manager. We'll also see if the new hitting coaching tandem of this Jose Castro and former major leaguer Chris Johnson is going to be better than all the previous hitting coaches the White Sox have had that have just not been good. That's the, that's the question I have there. Will the managing and coaching do a much better job than it did last year? Because on paper, as I mentioned, the White Sox have the best team in this division. On paper, when you got Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease, Lance Lane, Michael Kopech, and they signed Mike Clevenger to replace Johnny Cueto, on paper, one through five, that's better than the other th- four teams, the other three teams. It's not better than Cleveland, but if Giolito actually pitches his potential in his walk season where he become a free agent – and Cease is, may not win the Cy Young this year, but if he just puts up very similar numbers, Lance Lynn and Kopech are healthy, and Clevenger a few years off Tommy John surgery pitches what he's supposed to be, which is we're asking to be the fifth starter or the fourth starter, and he's not going to be suspended for the domestic violence uh, uh, you know, allegation. That's a good rotation. But again, outside of that, the White Sox did not sign any veteran players to minor league deals. Their idea of signing guys to minor to you know minor league deals, where signing old man Brian Shaw to be a reliever when obviously Sox didn't need him. They signed this utility man Eric Gonzalez to minor league deal. They picked up this Gregory Santos guy from the Giants along with another guy in the Rule Five draft. They brought back Billy Hamilton and the Sebastian Rivero again, a former backup Royals catcher. Signed former Tigers outfielder Victor Reyes. And I'm like, yeah, all of those minor league deals along with Jake Marisnik, obviously don't do that much. Signing this Nate Mondu guy to a minor league deal, you know, it's just, you're looking at all the minor league deals that they made, like they signed Mike Morin. He hasn't been good in years with the former Angel guy. Hanzo Roberto is a good utility guy, but again, the Sox are full utility guys. This Kenyon Middleton guy, he hasn't been good in years, okay? You thought that maybe, just maybe, they would learn their lesson. Oh, they signed Chris Shaw to a minor league deal. Again, former Giants outfielder hasn't been good in a while. You're saying to yourself that maybe just maybe the White Sox signed some veteran starting pitchers to minor league deal. Like the Mets just signed Dylan Bundy, for example. Sign somebody to a minor league deal because Lynn and, G- and, and Copa could get hurt again. Clevenger's only two years off Tommy John surgery. You know, Davis Martin, Martin Davis, whatever. He, Davis Martin, he's not, you know, the great option that you're going to need to go, you know what? We're good. That's our sixth starter. No. The White Sox do not have a great sixth starter. That's that's the that's the problem in case it goes down. On paper, a bullpen that is Liam Hendricks, who, guess what? He was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma. There's no, there's no timetable of when he's going to return because guys like Tyone and Trey Mancini, when they were battling cancer, they missed the whole season, if not more. So I don't really know if they can count in the comeback. So the White Sox are like, you know what? 
We got Joe Kelly we're paying a bunch of money to. We still got Jake Diekman. We're paying, uh, you know, Kendall Graveman all this money as well. And we still got the great Aaron Bummer, who has never been that great. We got Jose Ruiz, who's never been that great. We got converted starter Ronaldo Lopez, who's been okay so far as a reliever. And we're hoping that Garrett Crochet, who's coming off Tommy John surgery, who can't be in the rotation, but could be in the bullpen. And that's what we're doing. So I thought guys like Aroldis Chapman, Dave Robertson, Craig Kimbrell, those are guys that could have picked up. But most of them were already picked up already. And as I told you, Kenyon Middleton looks like he's going to make this team which the dude hasn't had a good ERA in years. I'd rather have Mike Morin, or I'd rather have Brian Shaw, who at one point was one of the better setup men in baseball, like the seventh inning guy. And they got Jimmy Lambert, and they got Gregory Santos from the Giants selected in a small little trade. Like, again, no bullpen depth the guys I can rely on, because I saw too many games last year where it, was, it wasn't Bummer or Kelly. It was either Deakman or, or Kendall Graveman or somebody just blowing the game completely out of proportion, and the Sox had no chance to come back. That's where I'm a little bit annoyed. And then Grandal had such a bad year. He hasn't been healthy in years. But on paper, is Monty Grandal in a lineup that's anchored by Malloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Tim Anderson. And at the same time, you got Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn as first baseman DH or right fielder type because Aloy's going to be the full-time DH. And then you re-sign Elvis Andrews because pretty much every second baseman on the market was to- was taken away and you don't have anyone else. And if Moncada lives up to his potential at third base. On paper, one through nine, the White Sox lineup is great. I'm not saying, oh, all of them are going to win a gold glove at Silver Slugger because Gavin Sheets, not an outfielder. Moncada hasn't hit. On paper. But that's the problem. Things are not always on paper, and that's why the White Sox team was bad last year. Because, again, Luis Robert got hurt and missed time. Aloha Jimenez injured himself again, stupidly in the outfield doing something. He missed time. If he's a DH full-time and none of this dumb right-field crap that they were doing in spring training or in the World Baseball Classic, on paper, this dude is a 30-home run, 100-RBI guy. Robert is the perfect three-hitter because he can bat for a high average, drive in almost 100 runs, hit 30-something home runs, and steal bases. He's your third guy. And Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn, you know, batting fifth or sixth after Aloy, and then eventually you have to put Grandal because offensively he's considered one of the better catchers in baseball when healthy, and then Moncada. And at the bottom of the lineup, if you got Elvis Andrews and you got, you know, Yasmani, and, uh, and you got, you know, whoever is going to play right field when it's not Gavin Sheets, that's not bad. Now, the White Sox finally did the one thing I have to tell you is they signed Andrew Benintendi, to a deal. It's like the longest or like the highest paid deal or whatever. But the dude is only 28 years old, okay? He's going to be 29. The last time, there's been so long since the White Sox signed a player in his prime who actually fits the team and not a getting a guy from the National League who's never faced American League pitching like Adam Dunn or Adam LaRoche, whatever it is. And it didn't really work out. Or signing old guys like Ken Griffey or Manny Ramirez or Mark Kotze or, or Andrew Jones. Guys past their prime. They finally got a guy in their prime who's perfectly going to play left field because Deloitte's going to DH. He's won a gold glove. He's been a good offensive player when healthy. And he's been the perfect two-hitter even though the Yankees batted him leadoff recently. But this Pedro Griffey dude is going like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to take the perfect two-hitter and Andrew Benatendi and put him third and put Robert or Mankata second, which again... You're doing too much. Like, I missed the Michael Smith and Jamel Hill show on ESPN. Numbers never lie, his and hers. They're doing too much. Doing too much. Your GM got you the perfect two-hitter, and Tim Anderson's been good as the leadoff hitter for the White Sox, and Robert, Eloy, Sheets, Vaughn, and Grindahl. That's a great 
offensive lineup. So don't screw it up with the let's just move people around and let's figure this out. Like that's where like you're a little bit doing way too much with what you're doing. And if Oscar Colales makes the is officially making the roster, which I hope he is, then guess what? Then the White Sox have the potential of a rookie of the year candidate in right field. And Gavin Sheets become a bench player. That's fine because again, the re- one of the reasons White Sox were bad last year is they were playing infields in the outfield and they were giving Leor Garcia so many at bats that if the rumors are true that he's not making the team and the hope is that either Hanser Alberto or Eric Gonzalez is with Romy Gonzalez or Edwin Lelun Sosa for backup infielder, that's good. The question will be, is it going to be Billy Hamilton, Jake Marizek, or Adam Halsey as the fourth outfielder or even Victor Reyes who used to be an everyday player? Sox are in good hands and if they win the division, that would surprise me. I don't think they will. The expectations are low this year, but that's that's the White Sox problem there. Okay, and then the next team is the the Twins. Literally every year the Twins slug a bunch of home runs, and all they get the is great offensive players, and they always having to try to get themselves a pitching staff. So last year they're like, well, we need to get Tyler Maggie at the deadline, and Michael Fulmer, and Jorge Lopez, and a bunch of other players at the deadline because their pitching staff wasn't that good. Now, they're expecting Kenta Maeda to come off Tommy John's surgery and Chris Paddock to come off his surgery. So when you're expecting two guys to come off surgery, that's already like, I don't know if that's going to be good rotations. They're lucky that Joe Ryan last year who pitched out of nowhere. It's going to be their fifth starter. But Tyler Mahi, if they're expecting him to be a number two or three or four, that's a lot for a guy who's mostly a fifth guy. Sonny Gray, injuries have always been a concern. If he's your ace, that's not a great rotation. And Kenta Maeda has never been an ace with the Dodgers, which he was on the team before. Nor is Chris Paddock. So if Chris Paddock and Maeda are healthy and Sonny Gray's healthy, oh, those are good guys to have in a mid-rotation with Malley in the back. But then they go say, we're going to get Pablo Lopez, who at best is a number three on a playoff team. Minnesota is expecting him to be their number two guy. That is, Pablo Lopez is not our two guy. He's a good pitcher and everything, and he played in the World Baseball Classic pretty well. But that's not a number two guy. And what happened is they traded away the reigning AL batting champion, Luis Arai, who was a man without a position. He played a lot of first base third base, and left field in DH. When the man is an average second baseman, and the only reason he's not playing second base is because Jorge Polanco is a second base, and I never understood the whole hate of moving him to shortstop. But yeah, they move, they traded the American League batting title champion for a guy who's the best being a three on a playoff team, a two on a bad team. That's not great management, and you still got yourself Jorge Polanco, who's most likely they said going to start the year on the injured list. So utility man Donovan Solano, who somehow got a major league deal, and backup catcher, not a shortstop, which is the Reds made in second, Kyle Farmer, are going to play second base, and Nick Gordon. So, like, I'm really excited about those options. They traded Giovanni Urshela basically for, like, nothing. And they're going to have Jose Miranda play third base. And Farmer will back him up. Miranda had an okay rookie year offensively, but he's probably best suited to play first base or DH. But they want somebody at third base. And at first base... Obviously, Miguel has been healthy in a couple years. They said goodbye to him. So what they did was they said, you know, Alex Killeroff, you're not, we're not going to expect you to play the outfield because we have Trevor Larnick and Gilberto Celestino to be the backups, and we still got Byron Bucks and Michael Taylor and Max Kepler, who they were trying to trade. But they also went and got Joey Gallo, who I'm a huge fan of Joey Gallo, but the dude hasn't been healthy in a while. Or, I mean, not healthy. hasn't been good in like three or four years. It's the whole... Pretty good on the Rangers, you know, masquerading as center fielder, but he's more of a corner guy. 
They are like, well, we got uh, the Yankees obviously did not work out for Joey Gallo, so he's trying to rebound. So the Twins are expecting a guy to rebound on Joey Gallo, and they said they're going to play him in right field, left field, third base, first base, DH. He's literally going to play everywhere because he's played everywhere because, again, you can't rely on this Alice Killerov guy to stay healthy. And that is why they also went and traded from Michael A. Taylor, the glove first center fielder from the Royals and the former Nationals outfielder, because Byron Buxton, he's one of the most talented players in baseball. He can win a gold glove, a silver slug, or make the all-star team. He's bad at leadoff. He's bad at second. They bat him below the plate. That's another problem. Keep Byron Buxton in one spot. That will be good for him. But they said that they're going to most likely DH him a lot this year so that Michael A. Taylor, who was also a gold glover, can play center field, and they can get some at-bats for Joey Gallo in left field. So that's where I'm like, I don't know. I'd rather hold Miranda first base or DH. I want Buxton, who's a superior center fielder, in center field. I don't want Gallo in the outfield, even though he may want a gold glove because he's more of a slugger. So the Twins' philosophy is we're going to slug it out of the ballpark by having, if Killerov is healthy or jo- and, jo- and Joey Gallo rebounds, healthy Byron Buxton, Jose Miranda, Michael A. Taylor, who can hit, and Max Kepler. And the other two things is they got lucky that Carlos Correa failed his physical with both San Francisco and the Mets. For those like 12, 15 year deals for a bunch of money because there was something wrong. So he had to crawl back to the Twins and stay with the Twins. So literally they got lucky that right there they got themselves a guy who's won a gold glove, a silver slugger, a World Series. He's a good hitter and he's going to be the middle of their lineup hopefully. So again, they're relying on just straight offense from that position. They did get smart and they signed Kristen Vasquez but to a five year deal. And this guy's older than me, and he's battled some injuries in his career, and he's only had maybe one or two good offensive years. But giving this guy a five-year deal gives him a real catcher because they've gone through Mitch Garver and Gary Sanchez and all these other guys are not really catchers. So they get a fine catcher who can who can feel this position, call, call a game, all that other stuff. So, again, they got him because he's had a better bat in recently, but they fixed that hole. The bullpen is only fixed because of the, made, the moves they made last year where they're like, we don't got a closer, so let's go trade for Jorge Lopez who never been a closer until the Orioles made him a closer, and then, of course, guess what happened? He had a bunch of saves. The Orioles were surprisingly good, all-star caliber closer, and they still got this Jorge, Johan Duran, who throws like 100 miles per hour, with the Caleb Thebar and Emilio Pagans. So on paper, the bullpen is not trash. It's just not, there's not a manual class A, and it's not the White Sox, you know, veterans that they have. Now, Randy Dobnik, Danny Colombe, Jose De Leon, and... Brock Stewart, they've been around the block, so maybe those guys make chances. And the Twins were smart. They picked up Grayson Griner, Chance Sisko, and Tony Walters, a minor league deal, because they weren't sure if Ryan Jeffers was going to be healthy enough to be the backup. Again, see, the White Sox did not, like, load up on guys at a position, okay? And Tyler White and Elliot Soto are just AAA depth. And I didn't realize this, but Willie Castro went to the Twins, and maybe they use him this year if the infield doesn't go well. It's a loss of the Tigers there. And they kept Mark Contreras and Kyle Garlick and Ryan Lamar in minor league deal. But the last thing I want to say is this. Jorge Polanco was not such a bad defensive shortstop that you had to move him to second base. Now, I know that you have Carlos Correa, so it's something that you do now. But it, it cost you Luis rise, And that's why I feel like the Twins are going to finish their place because their pitching staff isn't good enough and their offense lost the reigning batting title and they're relying on a lot of injured guys or guys coming off disappointing seasons. Now, it was a toss-up between who's the worst team in this division. Is it the Royals or is it the Tigers? Because both of them are literally not trying. But the reason why the Royals are better is because they kept 
franchise stalwart Zach Greinke, who still can pitch like no one else in the game. Like he's still one of the top tier pitchers in baseball. He's not really like slowing down that much, even though he is 39 years old because his buddies like Verlander and Scherzer, all these other older pitchers, they're still pitching. And on paper, Brady Singer, who was on Team USA, is supposed to be one of these up-and-coming pitchers along with Chris Bubik. So the two of those guys and Zach Greinke form a great top three for a team that's trying to go upwards. Signing veteran Jordan Lyles and also veteran former race pitcher uh, Yarborough, right? Yeah. To, you know, minor league deals are good ideas because the both of them are veteran guys who you'd want in the back of the rotation. So on paper, if it's Grinky, Bubik, Singer, Jordan Lyles, Yarborough, whatever, that's not bad. They did sign Nick Whitgren and some other guys to minor league deals. But again, when they change these things, I can't see the guys on the thing there. But on paper, though, that's not a bad rotation. This Daniel Lynch is not bad either. Their bullpen, Scott Barlow pitched really well as the closer. Amir Garrett's been a good guy who throws like heat. And they still got Brad Keller, who I don't know why he's still not in rotation. He's a good inning guy. But then the thing is, they signed a Rollis Chapman, who hasn't been a good closer in two years. So what will help them out is that a Rollis Chapman, if he pitches anywhere he's supposed to be, he'll slide into the closer role. The Royals can flip him at the deadline for a prospect and still keep Scott Barlow and Amir Garrett in the rotation. I mean, in the bullpen. So right there on paper, that's better than the Tigers. Tigers don't have one of the best catchers in baseball in Salvador Perez. My issue is MJ Melendez. I saw him play the outfield, and the dude is a horrible defensive outfielder. So you would think that maybe they would have cleared some space. Well, they did. There's no longer Ryan McBroom or the other guy that they had on the roster as well, Ryan O'Hearn. They're like, well, we cleared some space. But they still technically on the 40-man roster have Pasatino, Nick Prado, and Hunter Dozier. The only thing they did was get rid of Mundesai and Michael A. Taylor. Well, that just means Bobby Wood Jr. is one of these nice up-and-coming players. Can just stay at shortstop and not have to play multiple spots in the team. Same thing with Nicky Lopez. So that's that. Michael A. Taylor not playing center field. Do you know what that does? They give Drew Water and Kyle Isabel and this Nate Eaton guy and Edward Olivieras, the four of them, the opportunity to actually play the outfield and their outfield. But the problem is, in order to get MJ Melendez bat in the lineup on a regular basis, they're going to have to play him in left field, and he's a catcher. He's not a great defensive guy. But on paper, it's the, the rotation is better, but they have the better catcher. No matter if it's Prado or Pascatino Hunter Dozier, it's a lot better offensively first baseman DH combo. And I think Nicky Lopez should be playing every day at second base. I don't understand the depth chart of him at third base. He literally is a middle infielder. He's not a third baseman. I want Hunter Dozier to play every day, but they want to play this Michael Massey every day. I'm like, cool, go ahead and do that. That's totally fine. But yeah, this team is all about the youth movement. And that is why I'm thinking to myself, like, they they made the moves to fill out the rotation and get a veteran closer and trade away some of the other guys to make their team a lot better than it really is. And that's where it's like, you know what? That's how the Royals are not going to finish in last place. And that's the major difference between them and the Tigers. Now, they did sign Yohan Camargo, Matt Duffy, and a bunch of other guys to minor league deals like Matt Beattie and Framel Reyes. But again, it's just organizational depth. And, you know, because they traded Mundesai and Taylor, they needed some guys to fill in 
at the AAA spot. And then with Matt Quattro being the manager, you don't know. Things will be different. I didn't think Mike Bethany did a bad job. It's just if you look at his track record in St. Louis, he just picked up where the other guy left off and then had some disappointment. But then the Cardinals have a history of firing him and Mike Schilt, you know. But, yeah. Matt Quattro, good luck in your first season with uh, with this team that's just trying to go up from where they are. And then you look at the Tigers, who I mentioned. Their rotation is Matt Boyd, who they cut a few years ago because he had, like, Tommy John surgery and missed time. And then he pitches zero games for, like, the Giants, who signed him last year. Flip him at the deadline of Seattle. And then Seattle literally only used him as a reliever. So he only pitched as a reliever last year. Michael Lorenzen, former Reds all-star caliber you know, closer who was a starting pitcher's rookie year and he could hit really well and he could play center field. And they're like, okay, cool. We're not sure if you're a starter. So he goes, I want to leave the Reds and be a starter. Well, guess what? He went to the Angels last year and guess what? He got hurt again because he hasn't been healthy his whole career. That's the top two guys in your rotation. Number three is Eduardo Rodriguez, who literally has never been the most healthiest pitcher with Boston. And with COVID, he had a heart issue before. And then he missed time last year due to mental health and he's away from the team. And they're paying him a boatload of money. That's the top three guys. Like, I don't know if that's reliable enough. And then Spencer Turnbull pretty much missed the end of last year, most of last, if not the whole season, all of last year. Matt Manning had an injury last year. Therese Skubal is on the 60-day list. Casey Mize had multiple surgeries in the offseason. That's literally a rotation. It's potentially four young guys who were hurt all of last year, are going to start the year hurt this year, recovering. And then three question marks. That's why I'm like, yeah, this rotation stinks. Then they're the dummies who traded their closer, Neftali Soto, to the Phillies. Okay, you don't trade, not Neftali Soto, Gregory Soto. I'm sorry to confuse all the Sotos. Gregory Soto to the Phillies. Okay, and you're like, well, he's not costing a lot of money. He's controllable for a good amount of years. He's only 28 years old. So A, he's not old. B, he's not making much. And C, He's under control, and he's been an all-star two seasons in a row, and he saved a bunch of games the last two years. No, no, no. We're not going to get top prospects from him. We're literally going to get backup outfielder, backup infielder, and backup catcher. Like, I don't know what the heck the new Tigers GM is thinking because it's no longer Avila, but that's stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid for you to trade your two-time all-star closer who's young and not making a lot of money for backups. So this bullpen also doesn't have Joe Jimenez anymore or anyone else. No one in this bullpen is a real reliever that I've heard of. And a catcher, when you, lo- you let Tucker Barnhart leave, and you think that Jake Rogers, who was this one-time catching prospect who's never lived up to his potential, and he's been hurt the last couple of seasons, and trip and, and third-string catcher Eric Haas, who you play in left field a bunch, who's on an outfield, that's another story, that's better than Royals? No. And Spencer Torkerson was literally statistically, him and Javi Baez and Jonathan Scope and Ken Alario were some of the worst offensive hitters last year. I know he's young, and you're going to give him a chance because he's a great defensive player, but that's a lot to rely on. And Jonathan Scope, as I mentioned, is one of the worst statistical hitters last year. You, it's them. It's their own fault for every year re-signing this guy every year, a multi-year deal. And then it turns out, well, he hasn't been good. So they brought in Cesar Hernandez on a minor league deal. The man is not good at playing other positions, especially the outfield. He's just a good defensive player. And they don't really have a third baseman because no offense to this Ryan Keedler dude and all these other guys. They don't have a third baseman. And we all know that Bradley Baez is as magnificent he is running the bases and picking runners off and fielding. Statistically, one of the worst hitters. He can hit 20 home runs, but he's not that great there. Then the outfield, Riley Green could win a gold glove, and he's got really good potential. But it's a lot of pressure on him to be, if not the best guy on the team this year. And then relying on Akil Badu, who hasn't been good since his rookie season, 
to produce offensively. Expect Austin Meadows, who missed most of the last year due to physical injuries and mental health issues, to come back and be all ready to play. And then Miguel Cabrera, who's on his last leg, who missed most of the second half last year, so I couldn't see him in person. He literally... Be, be literally, all you're looking for the Tigers is milestone watch for him as he tries to get more hits and more home runs and more doubles and more of these other things because it's this is going to be a mass unit because literally every single guy on this team, if most of them, if not, have serious injuries and they're relying on maybe Trevor Rosenthal and Jason Shreve and Matt Whistler on minor league deal, that is not good. Andrew Napa minor league deal, utility player Andy Abanez and Jonathan and Brennan Davis, but yeah. The way this American League Central is going to go down is that Cleveland's going to win this. It would very much surprise me if the White Sox win this division and have a better record than they did last year. I don't think the Twins are going to do well because, again, they're trying to slug their way out of it and they're not going to have enough pitching. And the Tigers, again, their rotation is either injured, no bullpen, a bunch of question marks on the position player. At least the Royals know this is who we want to play at this spot and this is who we want to pitch here, there, there. They have a direction they're going, and they got a new manner, Matt Quattro. Sorry to AJ Hinch, but your team's going to stink. Sorry to Rocco Baldell, your team's not going to be that good. It's really going to come down to if the White Sox new coaching and managing staff and some of the new players they brought in actually make this team play fundamental baseball like they're supposed to, okay? Thanks for listening to another edition of On the Radar. This was MLB Preview American League Central for the 2023 season. Get your podcast anywhere, Apple, Google, Spotify. For On the Radar, I'm Radar. See you guys next time.